0: This is a WTOP original podcast.
1: Coming up in this episode of Target USA. On June 24th, the Wagner mercenary group launched a rebellion against the Russian government and Vladimir Putin. The day of the rebellion, Putin made it clear
0: all of those that participated were in big trouble. He was, he was very forthright on the morning of the the coup. He was saying this is treason stab stabbing the back and they, people would be punished. But
1: then Prigozhin stops the rebellion about 125 miles outside of Moscow and disappears. And now we hear Putin and Prigozhin had a secret meeting, not long after the rebellion. Dr. Michael Taylor, a senior analyst for Eastern Europe for Oxford
0: Analytica, says Putin changed his tone. And then uh, at the end of the day, it's all resolved uh, peacefully.
1: But Taylor says Putin may not have heard the last of this.
0: But I think in the end, if, if this is Putin's war, if he loses it, that's serious. I think, they'll be, I think he'll be replaced.
1: Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP. the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. On June 24th, the Wagner Mercenary Group set out on what it called a march to justice. They were headed to Moscow, and their objective was essentially to overturn the leadership of Moscow's military, unhappy about the way they were treated. So somewhere along the way, the leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, aborted this so-called march to justice. Some called it a coup and said it was a direct attempt on Vladimir Putin's power. He left the country, went to Belarus, then he ended up back in St. Petersburg. And we were all wondering where he was and how long it would be before he would be arrested and perhaps something really bad happened to him. We learned this week that he had a secret meeting with Vladimir Putin a few days after this mutiny and joining us to tell us what he thinks happened is Dr. Michael Taylor, who is a senior analyst with Oxford Analytica, and he works on the Eastern Europe prospectus. Dr. Taylor, um, I understand you're an expert and a specialist on some of these, uh, developments that are taking place in Russia. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of things I wanted to ask you about specifically. Um, As you look back at the 24th of June, uh, the so-called rebellion of the Wagner fighters uh, relative to challenging the power of Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin, what was your assessment of what took place?
0: Uh, Yes, I thought the the, the mutiny on uh, the so-called on June 24th was a very odd one. It um, proceeded um, to go all the way up to Moscow, about 200 kilometers short of Moscow, without with hardly any resistance from the Russians. There were some helicopter attacks on the convoy up the M4, um, and they, they claimed to shot down some helicopters. But compared with the might of the Russian Air Force, I thought initially it would be madness for them to take on uh, the Russian state without, you know, which had such air cover. They, that, that seemed to be um, a, a, a terrific gamble. And what may have happened, um, one possible explanation for the way, the strange way in which it developed, um, I mean, with the, the other thing, of course, is how they got to Rostov-on-Don, the military, southern military district um, base, so easily just walked in and took over the base with hardly any resistance. So it's it's um they they seem to be doing extraordinarily well. I mean that they they are quite a um a strong force. They one of the spearheads of the Russian campaign in Ukraine. But you still think that they're fairly lightly equipped. I mean I mean you saw this um image of a tank on a tank transporter speeding up the um the motorway but you know, you'd have thought taking on the minds of Russia, the Russian army, the Russian air force, with basically fairly lightly equipped military um, mercenary force uh, just seemed a, a terrific gamble. So what do you think
1: is going on here? Because now we've learned today that supposedly after that whole march for justice, as Yevgeny Prigozhin put it, they had a meeting. With Vladimir Putin and and you know as well as most folks who follow Russian events and certainly Vladimir Putin, anybody that challenges him or crosses him typically doesn't survive. But having a meeting like this, um, it just adds to to the intrigue as far as I'm concerned. But what's your view on that?
0: Exactly. Again, it's um he was he was very forthright on the morning of the, the the coup, he was saying this is treason, a stab in the back, and they the people would be punished. Um, and then uh, at the end of the day, it's all resolved uh, peacefully. Um, you know, there, there's a deal which is mediated by President Lukashenko of Belarus, um, which seems like a terrific climb down by Putin. Um, you know, you think that the, his strongman image is—you um, thought he would strike hard at these 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 forces and uh, humiliate them. If anything, he comes out humiliated himself because he's given is sort of made concessions to them. Um, he's given them an out uh, to Belarus. But um, uh, apparently though that doesn't seem to have been taken up. Again, another another mystery. What he hasn't given in on is the um, removal of the um, the minister, defense minister and the chief of general staff. He hasn't given in on that. And that was the main um, demand that, that Prigozhin made.
1: So what then do you think of this idea. A couple of people, including some Ukrainian Ministry of Defense officials I've spoken to, said very early on, this looked like a trick to them. Based on what you've heard since then, do you think that holds water?
0: Possibly. Um, possibly. Um, I think Putin may have been caught, uh, caught out. He may Maybe that they, the Russian army just doesn't have that many resources. I mean, there've been these attacks on the um, on the border, the, the Ukrainian-Russian uh, border, which seem to have met hardly any resistance. Again, there are these sort of um, uh, freedom fighters for Russian freedom fighters, whatever they call themselves. Uh, sort of uh, crossed the border in you know, Belgorod and Bryansk earlier, and um, meeting again, hardly any resistance. They don't seem the Russians don't seem to have. Fortified their border with Ukraine, which you think be a standard military uh, um, strategy to make sure that there's no counter thrust from Ukraine. That that they they were able to roam around the border area for, for a whole day, I think, without hardly any resistance at all. Um, you wonder whether perhaps that the Russians have got such a problem in Ukraine. They don't. They're run, running out of resources. They're running out of usable um, troops. And they're all in Ukraine, and they were they were caught out by, a, by 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 both both these Ukrainian kind of cross border activities, and also this this mutiny. Maybe that that's the, the reason. I think the mutiny did probably did end with Lukashenko's mediation. He probably, I think, from you know you're thinking from Prigozhin's point of view, this was an act of desperation. It was an act of madness. Um, he was sort of put into a corner by this. Um, uh, defense ministry threat to uh, take his troops away from him by making them sign contracts with the defense ministry. And possibly that might well affect his other business interests as well, because he has mercenaries in Africa where they have managed to get hold of some local resources. So maybe he was thinking, I'm being forced into a corner here and I've got to do something. He made it clear he was it wasn't actually a coup. It was called a coup at the time, but I don't think it really was a coup. Um, but I don't think, in the end, it was. If he really thought that Putin was going to give in and say, "Yes, of course, I'll I'll sack these these um, Shoygu and Gerasimov, the two leading generals, and let you have what you want," I, get, I don't think that that was ever very likely. So I think, um, on Prigozhin's point of view, it was an act of desperation. He didn't, wasn't really thinking very straight. And I think, I think, as soon as he could then start negotiating, thanks to Lukashenko, the Belarusian president. I think he then thought better of it and thought, I'll climb down on this. But it's interesting that Putin himself went along with that. And you can see that he wanted to avoid, um, you know, there would be a bloodshed in Moscow if there had been, you know, if mercenaries had continued all the way to Moscow. That would have ended pretty badly, whatever happened. Uh, So maybe he uh, he let him him off the hook as well. Whether the whole thing's a stunt, um, I think... The, the argument against that, the real argument against that, apart from the fact that they, they lost some helicopter people, I think the real argument is that the, I think the risk to Putin's reputation was too great, I think. I don't think they, they would have really they thought the thing through. They would have thought, it's, it's, a, it's a stunt, it's not really worth it. I I think more it's bad um, Putin didn't realise that Brigosian was going to react the way he did.
1: But what about Putin's reputation? Because this did happen, and there are people talking about the fact that Putin let him get away with it. What about yeah. his reputation?
0: Yeah, I, I think his, his strongman image um, is is damaged. Um, it's almost, almost like a taboo has been broken that that Putin is 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 so powerful that nobody can dare take him on. I think he's still quite formidable, but the, the thing that I think he risks is that some, some families can think well. Ocean got quite close maybe I can do it as well I think everybody would another thing to look at is the fact that people seem to be sitting on the fence I mean again part of this lack of reaction again another explanation for that which is quite quite plausible is that nobody really wanted to risk you know to come down off the fence and look and see how this is going to turn out and therefore who do I end up um, taking up sides with? Which doesn't say much for Putin's um, you know, strength of his, his, his regime. Okay,
1: uh, one more question for you, uh, Dr. Taylor. Um, what now? <laughs> Where does this all go now in terms of the Wagner Group? One, does it still exist? Is it still a viable? Uh, what about the activities that it's engaged in in Africa and other places? What about that? And, um, and, and, and- yeah,
0: um, I think there, Putin may have um, may have ended up winning by getting the P- Prigozhin to agree to this deal, which involved him getting exiled to Belarus and a lot of his troops going to Belarus with him. That doesn't seem to be happening. He, he himself is appears to be moving quite freely all, all around the Belarus-Russia area in his private jet, if he's actually on board it. His, his private jet is making quite a lot of um, movements inside Russia, and back, back and forth to Minsk. Um, none of his troops seem to have turned up in this camp that's being prepared for the Belarus. So it doesn't seem as though that part of the agreement is actually being um, implemented. And there are various indications that the Wagner Group is being um, um, what's the word closed down. I might say um, the it's Uncertain whether they're still recruiting. Some some um, sources say they're not recruiting anymore. Other sources say that they, well, individual um, recruitment officers seem to be still operating or say they are. But there's... Um, there's um, I think there was a report saying that they might have been withdrawn from CAR, think Central African Republic, although, although people are saying, no, it's a rotation. It's all still very unclear what's going on, but you can imagine that... Um, if if you know, if this thing of um they have to the men have to um sign these contracts um with with um uh the defense ministry and the deadline for that was today. I mean that, that closes down um as far as Pragosh is concerned. They all transfer to, to the Russian state and he's lost his um his real strength. Um well if that happens, I think that you know I think pr- Prigozhin could well have been conned. You know, he could well have signed an agreement which Putin hasn't um, hasn't hasn't uh, fulfilled. Perhaps Putin says, "Well, Prigozhin hasn't been fulfilling it either because he hasn't gone to Belarus." Uh, I th- I, th- I I I think in the long term Prigozhin is finished. I, I think Putin will get his way. He will have dealt with him uh, because, as I say, um, today um, Gerasimov was seen in public. Shoigu's been seen in public. I mean, they haven't been replaced. So Prigozhin's lost his, is the big thing he really wanted to do, which is to change the army leadership. So it looks as if Putin has come out on top, possibly swindling uh, Prigozhin by not fulfilling the agreement. If there was, that's all again, very unclear. I mean, so much of this is unclear. So much of this is kind of various reports, which we either believe or we don't. Um, uh, You know, so, um, (laughs) <laughs> but I think in the end, Putin's come out come out on top. But I do think he's weakened. I, yeah. I, I, I think there's a precedent being set.
1: Well, let me ask just one more thing, and I just need a very brief answer for this, if you can. Um, how does all of this impact the war in Ukraine?
0: So far, it hasn't really. I mean, I think um, they've lost, the Russians have lost um, a formidable force in the Wagner group, because I personally think that... Um, they won't a lot of them will not sign up to the, the contracts a lot of them will if they not, if they're not working for Pogosian, they won't work for anybody else and I think some of them can't because they were involved in the mutiny so they can't really their their future with the Russian military is is, is finished I th- I think they've lost an important element um not a, not, the, not the biggest element in, in, but a large element in the Russian Army in Ukraine and one of the most effective ones. So I think um, the only thing really that's, that's keeping the Russian army going at the moment is that they're in the, on the defensive, and they've been able to fortify quite strongly, and it's very difficult to attack. But I think in the end, if if this is Putin's war, if he loses it, that's serious. I think they'll, be, I think he'll be replaced.
1: Dr. Taylor, thank you so much. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, NATO's summit in Lithuania was it a success or did one of its key components not reach the mark the group issued a communique that was designed to show ukraine what it needed to do to get in
0: we will issue an invitation for ukraine to join nato when allies agree and conditions are met
1: and ukrainian president volodymyr Zelensky did not take that well he said in a tweet we value our allies but ukraine also deserves respect said. Furthermore, it's unprecedented and absurd not to set a time frame and to be vague about the conditions Ukraine must meet. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen@wtop.com. at WTOP.com. The letter J, the color green, one word at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa, Green at WTOP.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at wtop.com/email. I'm JJ Green, and this is Target USA, the National Security Podcast.